We have some traveling, but I know that uh, there are some that can't be with us because they are feeling a little bit of sickness in their bodies. It's, it's ravaging us. All right? Okay, as we settle in. Last week we were together and the Lord uh, brought to us on fulfilling the call. We all are called. We all are called, right? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, all have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus was in, came into the world and God was reconciling the world back to Himself through Jesus Christ and now we're in Christ reconciling the world. First ourselves being reconciled to God and then in us God reconciling the world back to Himself as we are the image of Christ on earth. Amen? So we all agree on that. But as human beings, because we're, we're created in the image of God, even human beings who are not, um, who have not fulfilled or who have not made a decision to follow Christ, there's still something in them. There's still a, a spot in them. They're still, because they're, they're created in the image of God, things matter. Yeah, everybody wants to make a difference. Everybody, there's, there's this unction in human beings to be fulfilled. Whether, and, and unfortunately, many of us look for it in riches, in things, accumulations. We covered all of this last week, but I, I just want to remind you, there's always that thing that someone is looking for to bring them fulfillment. But it can never happen without Jesus, without God. But we all have that call on us, so we're all called, and, and, and we have to fulfill that call. And again, the very basic nature of the call itself is to reconcile the world back to God. Amen? All of us have that call. But then we are, as we spoke of last week, there are specific callings that each of us have. We all are made with a specific purpose and plan that God made us for. We're all called in different areas geographically. Amen? Uh, we're all not... Uh, 33-year-old itinerant preachers like Jesus was. But we all are called, like Jesus, to reconcile the world back to God. So wherever we are specifically, God has a call for us specifically. Amen? So we are, and, we, and we look at Moses. Uh, obviously, Moses was in a spot. Of all of those um, Hebrew babies born, there was one that was sent down the Nile. There was one that was plucked up. Amen? Moses had a specific call on his life didn't realize it except that he knew that being the, the, the next in charge, being part of the royal family, having the best education, having all of the riches and everything that you, a human being could possibly hope for in that time and in that place, having all of that was still empty to him. And he wanted to be identified with his people. But he didn't understand totally what it was, what he was called to do. But he knew there was something more, something different. Amen? So that's the specific, the specificity with, with which God calls some of us or all of us according to the area or according to His purpose and plan. Amen? But what do we do while we're working that out? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to give you the answer right now. We're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. It's a little bit, there's about eight verses here we're going to read, so stay with me. Finally then, brethren... We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. You should, you should progress more and more. You're going to be progressing more and more. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. See this? This is the will of God. Your sanctification. First and foremost, the will of God for all of us is our sanctification. 
Can we agree on that? So all of us, the will of God for your life and for my life is sanctification, the setting apart, the being different. To be, we're called out not to be the same as everybody else. I'd love to stand up here and reveal all of my tattoos and my piercings to show you just how real and relevant I am in this current culture, but I'm just an old fuddy-duddy with gray hair, and I can only do one thing, and that is preach Jesus, Him crucified, and that's all I need to know. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go on. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit names that one first? It is one of the most base elements in our nature and it's what, we, what appeals to us and it's not, God made us that way but not for that. God made us that way for a specific reason. He made us that way. But see, now look at how, how the enemy of our soul and the world has corrupted that totally. And look at how he's attacked us in that area. So it's no coincidence, my brothers and sisters, that Holy Spirit, through the Apostle, names that first. I'm going to push on this just a little bit. I know you're going to get mad at me, but oh well. It's in the church. It's in the church. I'd love to stand up here and say, oh, how demonic it is and, and how it's used on from Madison Avenue and TV shows and Hollywood and commercials. It's in the church. So my brothers and sisters, that's why old-timey, gray-haired ministers like me are going to sound old-timey and gray-haired. And to our younger people, I, I just want to tell you, I, I apologize, but at the same time, I can't apologize. I want to be real and relevant to you. I want you to be interested. I want you to love the Word of God just as much as I do. But here's the thing. The Word of God doesn't change. And just because things have changed and and humanity has changed and we continue to go down this dark, dark path, and I, I just can't say to you that things have changed to the extent that God is allowing and winking at some of those things. He's not. He doesn't change. He's the same forever. But I will tell you this, so is His mercy. Hallelujah. So is His grace. And the same grace and mercy that I depend upon for my mistakes is the same grace and mercy that young people or anybody else in the culture who is suffering in those areas can depend on as well. Hallelujah. That's good news this morning. But what we cannot do, what we must never do as His people is to settle and say, well, it's okay because God hasn't smitten us yet for that. It's not okay. And that's why our young people don't have this grounding in the truth. They don't, because, it, well, you know, they, we wink an eye or we just, you know, we, we, we don't talk about it too much from the pulpits anymore. God has called you to be sanctified. And in part of your sanctification, the major thing He says is, you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess His own vessel in sanctification and honor. Treat your body. Listen, it's not just enough, you know, don't just go sleeping around or doing these things or, or whatever, but even honor your own body. Don't puncture it. Uh, this is Tony, I'm going to tell you, don't just keep puncturing it and placing staples and this and that in it. Don't draw all over yourself and don't, well, that, keep your vessel in honor. If you're a young woman, you don't have to wear your shorts way up so that I don't even want to start getting 
you don't have to wear so sh- sh- shorty shorts that you leave nothing, or the tight pants that you leave nothing to the imagination. That's not treating your body with honor. Young men, oh sure, you might be all buffed out and all, and you want to wear those tank tops and all that other stuff. That is not treating your body with honor. Yeah, I am. I'm honoring. I want everybody to see it. No, that's not what God intended. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The body is not to be worshipped. Rather, the body is to worship. Oh, no, you missed that. My brothers and sisters... Honor. This is important. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, my bro- I, I, I wanna, I, I, I'm not going to even get through the Scripture, Mike. See, why, do, why does the church act like everybody else? See, that's why we've got, that, that's why it's, we're having, I'm having a hard time with the younger people and, and all this other, because I'm, I want to say to you, we, we, we don't have to look like them in order to be real and relevant, because that, that's not what it takes. But at the same time, my brothers and sisters, I understand that we have to figure out how in the world that we can go ahead and keep this real and relevant for our young people. And I'm going to get there too in a little bit. But my brothers and sisters, we don't need to look like the non-believers. Just replace Gentiles with the non-believers. Because that's exactly what this is saying. So, so not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We have to look different. We know God. We're sanctified. We're set apart for God. We should look different. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Who's the avenger? The Lord. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, I know that gray-haired, old-timey preachers like me are being rejected more and more. But sometimes the only thing that I'm encouraged by is what God told Samuel when Samuel was a little bit discouraged. You know, don't, don't, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. That doesn't make me feel better in the sense that re, they're rejecting God. The, re, the result is going to be bad. The result is going to be bad. But what I don't want to do is compromise the word in, in, and then think that they're ex, by accepting me, they're accepting God. That's where we're missing it, my brothers and sisters. When we try to make the word of God more real and more relevant for the young people or whoever, whoever we're trying to minister to, and we compromise that word so that we're accepted or we do things so that we're accepted and we think that automatically the word of God is getting accepted. Wrong. Because we're not preaching the whole counsel of God. So in order, how, how is the counsel of God or how is the word of God being accepted if we're compromising it in order for us to get accepted? Are you with me? Okay, I, I don't know why. I'm just, there may be some ministers listening to me. I, I don't know um, on the internet. But anyway, here we go. So now, specifically, specifically, how, how does that speak to our calling? While we're waiting for our specific calling, here is how that, that partly is how we are supposed to be working out the calling that we already have on our lives. What, remember, where we started, we're all called to this ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to be sanctified. That's the will of God for our lives. And in our sanctification, that's working out the call that we have on our lives. That's helping us in our sanctification to also cause people to be drawn to God. Again, 
if we're not living sanctified, if we're not, come on now, then what are we drawing people to? Right? So that, that's important. Okay. So let's go on. Now, specifically as it relates to our calling specifically for us, we're going to use the, um, the uh, example of Samuel, who we all probably are familiar with. But Samuel, the son of Hannah. Now, remember Hannah, uh, she couldn't have children. And her rival, her, her husband's other wife, was having children. And she prayed to God and she went and just, just totally distraught. And even her husband said, aren't I better to you than ten sons or whatever it was? I mean, I, I can't forget the numbers, so please forgive me. But anyway, he said, aren't I better to you? But she wanted a son so bad. And she prayed to the Lord. And she said to the Lord that she would dedicate her son if he, when he, she was blessed to the Lord. And my brothers and sisters, we know what happened. Eli had wicked sons. You know, they were taking advantage of people. They were, they were strong-arming people. They even went as far as taking advantage of the young ladies uh, who were uh, uh, serving and worshiping at the temple. My brothers and sisters, and, and not the temple at that time, but wherever the, the holy place, my brothers and sisters, they were, just, they were just so corrupt and so totally evil and wicked, they had no regard for the call that they had. And the problem was that Eli knew it and he really didn't do anything about it. They were They were wicked. But now we know that Hannah had already um, um, given her son to, to Eli. And in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3 it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. God stopped talking to His people. There was such wickedness and there was no rep. I think I gave that one to you, but because uh, I want to, I'm struggling here because there's uh, right now the Holy Spirit's pulling me, and I help me. We have a responsibility, church. The Bible says that. Hannah, Samuel's mother, she was willing to give him up. And not only did she just give him up, but she put a little ephod on him and she went up every year and gave him a robe and, and once he was weaned and she visited him. It's not like she gave him up and forgot about him. She saw him and she had to say goodbye to him every year. Every year. So she made the sacrifice, but at the same time, what she did do was make it plain what he was sacrificed for, what his, what, what his intention was. Right? Because remember, she prayed, God, if you do this, this is what I'm going to do. So, so she made herself an agreement with God. She made herself a covenant with God. And what she said was, if you do this, then he's going to be dedicated to you. And that's exactly what she did. She had the responsibility. Now, when she gave him the ephod, her son, when she gave him and committed to him that robe every year, what she was doing was confirming to her son, this is what you're called to do. This is, what you're, this is your purpose. This is your plan. I want to tell you, guardians and parents, it is tough raising children. It is tough trying to teach kids the right way that they should go. 
but you have to be consistent with it. You can't do it once in a while and expect. She was, every year, she didn't go up there and, and, and you know, cry on his shoulder. Oh, son, I mean, I miss you so much. And oh, I wish you were with us and blah, blah, blah. She probably enjoyed her time with her son, but she always confirmed, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are where you're supposed to be. Come on. My brothers and sisters, grandparents, parents, guardians, what are we doing? What are we doing? She gave, she led by example. They went up every year when they were supposed to go up to make the sacrifices. They went up every year. Whether her, she was doing it before God gave her that son. Her husband was. They were blessed. Hallelujah. Older people, especially those of you who have been born again, we have to get this right. We have to get this right. We're losing generations. Continue. The prophecy, there was, a, there was a man of God. Remember now, there, there was no word coming to Israel, but the Lord did send a, a, a man of God to Eli and told him what was going to happen because he didn't correct his sons because of the evil and the wickedness of his sons. And he told him what was going to happen, that that side of the, the Levites was going to be cut off. Amen? And um, I, I, I'm going to read to you in 1 Samuel 2.26. Uh, it says, the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and men. You know what? So as all of this is going on and Eli's sons are, are wicked and evil and they're carrying on, Samuel, there's Samuel, doing what is right, just serving and doing what is right. Each, and he's growing. He's around. He's in the presence of God. He's in the presence of God. He's growing. He's now, did he earn favor with God? No. It can't be earned. No. But he stayed in the presence of God. Where the where where God is, there's favor. Uh, listen, I, I I I can't where if you are where the Lord is, you're you're gonna be in favor. What what does he say? What? In my presence is fullness of joy. Am I right hand, right? So if you're in the presence of the Lord, if you're living your life in the presence of the Lord, you're going to have favor on your life. It's just, that's just part of it. He didn't earn anything. He was just in the presence of the Lord. He lived in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Alright. Man, I, I, I don't know if I'm boring you. I know that I'm a little bit... The, the, the Holy Spirit got me a little choked up there, but I don't want you to go to sleep on me. Just hang, hang tough. Hang tough, alright? Okay, so for... For the young people and the young in the Lord. So he stayed in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's led by his mother and by, um, and by Eli. Even though Eli is kind of a little bit off, but he's led by Eli. So I'm going to pick up again in, in uh, 
Verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. See, this is part of that. What he did, know what this says? That he, he ministered to the Lord, but he did it and he followed the direction of Eli. In other words, listen, he was able to go ahead and he didn't rebel against anything at what his master, what his leader told him to do, he did. Why? Listen, if you're young in the Lord or you're just a young person, sometimes whether you agree... Let's, let's not make any pretense here. Do you think that there's a chance that young Samuel knew what was going on with Eli's sons and the fact that Eli didn't know or wasn't doing anything about it. Do you think that there's a chance that young... Come on, people were the same then as they are now. Yep, 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 yep. I'm not trying to be funny here. You understand what I'm saying? So is there a chance that, that young Samuel knew what was going on? Did he say ever to Eli, get your sorry sons to do it? Did he ever, does it ever record in here once that he said, God, why should I do this when those guys that are getting paid to do this aren't doing it? No. You know why? Because he didn't. You know how come I know he didn't? Because the Bible says that he grew in favor with God. He didn't rebel against God. He didn't backtalk God. He didn't complain. He didn't even complain to God about the guy who God hath him serving under. Keep that in mind, y'all. While you're in this church. (laughs) No, you understand what I'm saying. So my brothers and sisters, this is important stuff. Young people, this is important stuff. We may not agree all the time with those who have the rule over us. Nevertheless, serve God. Serve God. That's it. Serve God. He did in front of God before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at the time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had, be, uh, had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. This is so beautiful. So he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. So this is just, to me, I, I love to... Many of us have studied this many times, but I just, I just could get this picture in my mind. And especially now when we see that, you know, here it is, very, very, very dark, very late, uh, everybody's very tired, and he hears this voice call him, and having that servant's heart, come on, having that servant's heart, he didn't say, oh, what if? he ran in, here I am. <clears throat> that wasn't me, go back, go, go, go back and lay down. Here's it again. Um, I'm, now me, I'm going to sit up. Man, is that old man going crazy? Now I know I'm hearing something. Did he sit there and wait and see? well, let's see if he's going to call again. No, immediately he runs in. Here I am. Hallelujah. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Did you hear that? Samuel did not let, let, let know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli. And he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called to the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at the door at, at, as the other times. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. My brothers and sisters, this is a beautiful, beautiful text. I mean, this, this is such a beautiful situation here. So listen, the young, for the young and, and, and for maybe those of us who are not young in age, but maybe young in the Lord, the Lord called. And even though um, Eli was not in a good place, I thank God that he knew enough to instruct that young person wisely. He didn't get all haughty about it. He didn't. And so when he knew the third time that it was the Lord, he didn't become jealous and say, why isn't it one of my sons? He didn't, come, he didn't try to instruct him in anything except flat out, here's what you do. That's, he, that's the Lord. Just say, Lord, here I am. Speak to your servant. Come on. How many times, my brothers and sisters, have we known leaders who would be jealous or or haughty about the blessing of God or not want to hear maybe some things or, or, you know, try to instruct? We can't be that way. Parents, if our young people are getting some revelation from God, let's hear them out. You don't know. If it lines up with the Word of God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, rejoice. Because the Lord God Almighty is speaking to your child. Rejoice. Amen? Amen. If, the, if, if your young person... I'll, I'll, I'm going to just tell you this. I t- I'll, I'll, you know, I just tell on myself, I guess, I reckon. So, I, I, it's like this. When my son was a teenager, I, I know I can get some amens from the back row at least. He was a challenge. He still is a challenge. But no, he, he was a challenge. But, but, you know, he and he... We raised them in the church and we you know, had them in Christian school and my son could quote Scripture. I mean, he knew Scripture. There's no question. He knew more Scripture. He had more Scripture memorized probably than I did. And, but he was young and rebellious and he didn't want to know anything. He wanted to do what he wanted to do no matter what. Period. That's it. And so I remember it was always me trying to get him back in line and you know, timeouts or punishments, this, that, and the other thing. But I remember one time I, I, my Bible was kind of open and there was something underlined in there. <laughs> my son underlined the, the part for me and it said, uh, don't provoke your children to anger. <laughs> now, my initial reaction was that little... <laughs> Being honest. But then I had to kick back. I said, okay, let me... And it took a while. I'm just telling you. I'm being honest with you. What, right? It, okay, let me see this. Do I need to change my approach? Right? I'm making him angry, which, believe me, that's not going to be in and of itself the deterrent for me disciplining my kid. Let, let, me, let me just put it that way. But do I need to approach this differently? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm making him angry. He's letting me know he's just getting mad, not really wanting to comply, which... So, do I, are you with me? Did that make sense to anybody? 
Okay, so when, so, so now I'm going to leave that example. I'm going to leave Eli alone. But that's what we need to do as leaders. Those of us who are maybe a little bit more experienced in the Lord as parents, guardians, you know, counselors, if, if young people are coming to you for counsel or whatever the case may be. I mean, sometimes you just got to let it go and you just got to say it. You know it's going to make them angry. You just got to do it. Just like sometimes from the pulpit. You just got to say it. You know it's going to you know, let the chips fall and let God you know, hopefully pick up the pieces. But my brothers and sisters, sometimes when we have time, we have to let Holy Spirit minister us, especially when we're dealing with our loved one. We're dealing with those close to us in our house, those who we have constant contact with. We need to go ahead and be sensitive. Amen? Golly, it, it's, it's just of, of the most important. So thank God that Eli at least handled it that way. But then we see what happens here. He, he speaks to, to Samuel, and Samuel receives that revelation, that, that same revelation that Eli already had. Right? The word of the Lord, the Lord speaks to Samuel exactly what was already prophesied to Eli. And so now the next day, Sam, uh, Samuel's trying to stay away from Eli. He doesn't want to have to tell Eli this, and he knows Eli's going to ask him. So he did, and Samuel had to let it go and tell him you know, what was going on. He was, he, here's the point. Uh, let, let's, Samuel was in a place even as a young Christian, if we, we, we're making that example now, even as a young person or a young Christian, he was in a place where he was serving quietly, peacefully, not complaining, just doing what he knew to do. Come on now. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we have to just do what we know to do and be a little quiet. Just do what we know to do and not try to force the issue. Make sure that we're hearing wise counsel. How do we know if the counsel is wise? Amen. It better line up with this. The Word and the Spirit, right? So sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we have to make sure that we're in this place where we're serving God. Because if we're serving God a little bit and serving ourselves a little bit, we're going to be subject to any voice. Sometimes we get so busy and we're so enthusiastic about trying. I knew that I knew me when I first became born again and I had that weight lifted off me and I started to get all excited. Man, I wanted to do a lot of things. But I wasn't prepared to do anything. I didn't even... Man, I used to kill the guys at work, man. They, they hated me to being around. I mean, if I just learned a new scripture, I was trying to share it with everybody. I would preach to the trees. But, it, but, but man, they would see me and try to go to the other way because they knew I was going to talk about a scripture or something, you know? It was terrible. There was no wisdom. You know, I had this, this newfound joy, this newfound... Rel- I mean, this is so awesome, but I just didn't know anything. But I'm thinking, I'm called to just preach every, to everybody and everything, and boy, this is... Man, it didn't go so great. See, I, I needed to be still and to learn. I needed to learn. And, and the, for those of us, at that time, I was, I, was, I was married and then I had a kid on the way. And so now I'm still learning how to be a baby Christian and now a baby Christian that is a husband and about to be a father. So I got to learn how to be a Christian husband and learn how to be a Christian father. And then I'm still listening for this call that God has on my life because then in a short succession, God did put a place, a specific call on my life. Man, I will tell you something. 
that it was tough, rewarding, joyful, heartaching, all at the same time. But it's no different than any of you. So sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we just got to get quiet and still. And we just got to be peaceful before the Lord so that we, and do what we know to do. Fulfill the first call that you have on your life. Fulfill the first call, the initial call that you have on your life. What is that? Reconcile. You be reconciled and you reconcile the world. Live the Christian life. Live the Christian attitude. That's the first call that you have on your life. And God, and that will bring some fulfillment to you. But then God is going to bring you more. And you'll know more specifically. Amen? Amen. Okay. So now listen. The next one, that I've got, I'm, I'm so glad again for Eli, but again, I want to make sure that I, I say this succinctly. Young people, please, hear this. Hear this. God loves you. There's no question about it. And I know you've heard it from me and many others. He has a purpose and a plan for your life specifically. Don't let me or anybody else dissuade you or make you feel like it must be this. Serve God. Chase God. He'll call you. Amen? Alright. So now listen, I want to, another example that I have. And that would be um, Martha and Mary. And this is out of uh, Luke chapter 10. And we've been here, many of us know. Now we have this example of... of serving, serving, but not being still and quiet. See, let me read to you now out of Luke 10. It happened as they went that he entered Jesus into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord! Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, you tell her, you instruct her, you make her do what I want her to do. You tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Many of us who've been together, certainly through the years, we've been to this scripture so many times, But my brothers and sisters, think about this. Martha is doing what she knows to do. She's serving the Lord. She's preparing a meal. She wants things to be right. She's doing what she knows to do to serve the Lord. Now in this, she's frustrated. Why? She's looking for result. She's looking for approval. She's looking for maybe a pat on the back. She's looking for a certain outcome. Come on. Now, she sees someone who is just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on every word, not doing the same thing she's doing, not making the same sacrifice that she's making, not, not, not toiling and not getting her hands dirty and, and not sweating and, and, and not well, no effort. What's going on? She's just sitting there. Come on, you workers. Come on, you ministers. Come on. See, sometimes we get all excited about serving. We forget 
that we need to be ministered to. We need to be still and quiet and sit at His feet. Why? So that we could be filled. So that we know how to serve. So that we know what to do. So that we have the communion and the work that we're doing is truly from Him. Not just our unction. Not just our heart. Not just what we think or not just what the pastor said or what this, this church, that community, this thing, that thing, the other thing. Come on. Boy, it's awfully quiet in here. We suffer from this. Yes. We suffer. I've known many people, and some of you have been in churches for years. I mean, there's always a bunch of people who do a lot of work, right? There's, there's usually people... This was open. Did somebody open this for me? Okay, thank you. <laughs> and when it's, just in case someone was poisoning the pastor. They didn't like the message. They want to poison the pastor. I don't know. Anyway, what I'm saying though is I've, I've seen it and I've seen people get frustrated because they're doing all the work. Because you know, you've heard it before. There's about 10% of the people in the church do 100% of the work. Um, and that's true probably of most organizations. But my brothers, that's a human thing. But my brothers and sisters, you know, if we're doing what God has called us to do, if we serve, but we're serving according to what we heard at His feet, it's all we need to do. It's all we need to know. You'll be fulfilled. If we're serving to catch the result, the reward, don't get me wrong, I want to see souls. Don't don't get me wrong, I want to see the Holy Spirit move among us. I want to know that when we prayed a little while ago, the Holy Spirit is moving on those people who need healing in their bodies. I want to see results. Don't get me wrong. I'm just that way as as well. However, my brothers and sisters, the prayer has to come from a place where we've sat at the feet of Jesus. And we know, right, that our prayers are being heard. Why? Because we're praying them in the name of Jesus. We're sitting at the feet of the Master. We're operating according to what He's called us to do. Not just what a pastor told us to do. Not just what we heard in a, in a Sunday school teaching a long time ago. And we just pray and we hope. And if it's, we're praying God's, if, if it's God's will that they be healed. It is God's will that they be healed. It's God's will that they be healed. How do you know that, Tony? Well, it's God's will. So look, one way or another, it's God's will for them to be healed. One way or another. One way or another, period. Okay, so now I'm going to pray according to God's will. I'm going to be confident when I pray. Not because, again, because Tony said so, because maybe this. No, because I sat at the feet of Jesus. And I know that He bled out and died. And I know what the Scripture says, that with His stripes we're healed. Spiritually, absolutely. Physically, yes. I know the Word says that He's our Jehovah Rapha. All of those scriptures that tell us that there's healing in Christ Jesus. So, I know that. But I've, I've had to learn that and not just hear it with my ears and have a mental disposition for it. Amen, brother? Not just have a mental disposition for it, but to know inside of me. Well, why do I know that? Because He's not a man that He should lie. And He gave His life for it. He gave His life for it. He bled out for it. He allowed them to beat Him merciless. My body is broken. Isaiah, he was marred unlike any. His body was marred unlike any. Hallelujah. So now I know that now. How do I know that? I sat at the feet of Jesus. I got that Word. And He confirmed it. 
Hallelujah. Are you, are you with me? So we've got to sit at the feet of Jesus. We have to hear His Word. And, and look, serve Him. Do as He says. Just like Samuel was serving God, but under Eli. But I'm serving God under Jesus. So I'm doing what He says. And as I'm doing that, I can hear Him. And He's going to call me. And when he, I'm, not, I'm not hearing Him. I'm not trying to work to get His attention. I'm not trying to work to go ahead and, and work for some reward. I'm not trying to work hard enough so then He heals me. I'm not trying to work hard enough so that when I speak the healing on somebody, they're going to be healed. No, I'm not doing that. I'm doing what He's called me to do. Hallelujah. Okay? So, my bro- let's, let's go on. I, I love this scripture. And just hang on to it with me. Just John chapter 5, beginning verse 41. Do not receive honor from men. I do not receive honor from men. I do not receive honor. This is Jesus speaking. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you, have, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? See what Jesus started that way, where I began that text? If you read that whole text, and I'm not bringing this out of context. See, Jesus, I'm not looking for you know, men to respond. I'm not looking for men to be pleased with me. I'm not looking for men to exalt me. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the honor that comes from God. I'm looking to, I'm looking to please God alone. See, that's where we need to be. The problem, though, that we as humans have, if, we're, if, we're, we're, you know, if we don't receive the approval of men, we're not 100% sure we're not receiving the approval of God. Come on. Man, thank you. I, I'm so glad. I know I've got about five of you's undivided attention right now, and I'm so glad for it. I'm telling you something. Holy Spirit is speaking something right now. I hope you will receive this, because this will bring marrow into those bones. It might start a fire in you like we sang. Man, set a fire in my soul. I'm, Holy Spirit is ministering. This could be the breaking point for somebody. I'm telling you something because I need it. I need it. My brothers and sisters, we've got to stop worrying about pleasing or getting the approval of men. We've got to stop worrying about getting rewarded somehow or acknowledged by each other or by someone who we think a little bit more highly of. And again, I'm going to use myself as an example. When we were here for a little while, it's no secret, many of you know, that one of my... F- one of my mentors, one of the folks that I really learned a lot from and who I really respect is Pastor Loran, our, our minister, our, our pastor in uh, Carolina. Now, Pastor Loran and I, you know, we became acquainted. We played golf together, hung together. And part of the reason why I respect him so much was because I got to know him a little bit. And I knew that when he was preaching on Sunday, that man in the pulpit was the same man that I golfed with, was the same man that I talked with outside of church. That same man who was a little bit vulnerable, vulnerable at times. Who did not try to make any pretenses, just preached the word and sure enough, let it fly. Didn't worry about pleasing people but he just let it fly and loved God with everything he has. And I still admire him. But we were down here for a while and struggling to find churches. Now, me and Michelle, whenever we moved, we just struggled always to find the right church, especially leaving Central. After you leave Central and you're getting solid word all the time, it's just tough. So uh, we were, you know, I would be basically brokenhearted almost every Sunday and we'd go to churches and all that. But then, uh, but I was still in contact with Central and then one time I found out Loran was coming down to Waimama to preach at the camp. And so uh, I told Michelle, we're going to go down there and we brought the kids and stuff and we went down there. 
Now, I knew, you know, we went down there. I, I, we ran, looked out, and he saw me. And when he saw me, he smiled, and I knew, he, you know, he recognized me, and I knew that made me light up inside. That lit me up inside. Now, if it was just because it was friend to friend, no, but I've got to be honest with you. It felt good that that man of God acknowledged me. That's wrong. That's wrong. Now, afterwards, after the, the uh, sermon was over, a big altar call, people crowding. I just went up, greeted him, shook his hand. We greeted, hugged, and talked a little bit, and it was great. And subsequent to that, we've communicated here and there. But in that moment, and, and I, I, was, I was glad, but now looking back on it, not just now, but even several times between now and then, I was wrong. I was wrong. Because I'm looking for some kind of acknowledgement, some kind of affirmation. Right? And, and, and it needs to come from God. It, it needs to come from God. But Tony, you know, man, stay in the Word, keep serving Him, He will bring it to you. And, it, and it's going to be from the person that you least expect it. He's going to speak to you, to someone that you didn't even know you were ministering to. And someone's going to come up to you and they're going to tell you, man, thank you so much. Because they're watching you. And it's going to be somebody who you didn't expect it from. And they're going to say, thank you so much. Or someone's going to say, forgive me. I mean, for what? Well, I said this, I felt this about you, but something's going to happen and it's going to, it, it, you'll know it's God. You'll know it's God. But stop working for it. Stop looking for it. Just serve God and listen for His voice. But I want to tell you, when you hear His voice or when you read His Word, you need to respond. Because if we're not even responding to this, like this, this, this word that we started out in First Thessalonians, isn't that common to all of us? Come on, help me out here. Isn't that common to all of us? At least his brothers helped me preach a little bit. Isn't that common to all of us? Amen. Of course it is. So shouldn't we all be participating in that? Okay, so now if we're not participating in that, how do we expect to hear God speak specifics to us with that still small voice? I mean, that doesn't mean that if you're in a slump or something happens, God's going to stop talking to you. If you're not perfect, God is never going to talk. No, look at, look at Elijah. Elijah did those mighty works and, and then all of a sudden one woman, one evil person says something, threatens him and he falls to pieces and goes into depression. He's suffering a depression and he's going. And, 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 and remember, he's, now he's looking for something huge. God, uh, you got to speak. God is going to... I'm looking for something huge. Go out to the cave wall. Man, and there's an earthquake and there's the, and the fire. And, and God didn't speak to him. And what did he say? What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, God, it didn't go my way, and she's evil, and she's mad, and she threatened me, and God, it's not supposed to be this way. You're God, and look at all these. Yes. Yes. God, I've got an umpteen person. We've had. You know, 40 people in the church now today, we got 20, whatever the heck it is. God, hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. You know, one of the worst things you could do as a pastor, I heard this from a pastor a long time ago, and I forgot about it, and I still do it. Either on the way home, or when you get home to be with your family, especially your wife, hey, how was the message, babe? And she always says she's good about it. Good? Good? Okay, what was wrong? Nothing. <laughs> it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> no, so, so my brothers and sisters, so, what's the, so what am I saying here? I mean, for those of us who even have been serving the Lord as best we knew how or, or what we think we are, we've got to stay in that place where we're doing what we know to do and not expect the reward or the pat on the back. Don't, don't, don't look for affirmation from people. Just, just keep doing what you're called to do and listen for God to give you further instruction. So let's, let's look at, at another example, only this time with someone who's a little bit more experienced. Now this, remember the premise, I'm, I'm, you know, we've got to be still. We've got to get in that place. Now Peter, in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, the next day as they, were, uh, they went on their journey and they drew... <coughs> excuse me, please. I'm covering it, Mike. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm so sorry. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but I wish there was like a comma right there. He wanted to eat, but (laughs) stop, but he didn't. Listen, he didn't interrupt that time because his body had an unction. He didn't stop because his body was telling him, you need to eat. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. He was hungry and he wanted to eat, but they were making ready. He fell into a trance. See, I, 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 I wish... Somehow that we didn't associate that with something so mystical and powerful. I mean, there was a vision. He was just given a vision. He, he just, in that moment, he, he wasn't looking at the sky and something happened. He just, he laid back in the spirit and he had this vision. He saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, and a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And we know that this happened three times. And Peter's, Peter's response, no. I've never touched the unclean thing. And God told him, don't call that which I've cleaned unclean. And so we know God was speaking to Peter. Because at that same time, God was speaking to Cornelius, the leader of the Italian band. That's right. He was speaking to Cornelius. So God had this plan. Peter had to get into that place where he was quiet. Oh, you are not getting this. Peter had to get into that place where he was quiet. Where he was seeking God. And even his own body wanted him to get down off of that roof and go get something to eat. Now, they were still making it ready, Tony. He would have went down there if it wasn't ready. No. His, he, I would have went down there. If it was, if it was old Tony, I would have went down there and say, we got any leftovers? What about them greens that we got in the freezer that Miss Catherine made for me a while back? Do we got something? 
The point is, and I'm not trying to be overly facetious here, but the, the fact of the matter is, put yourself in the situation. How many times you know, did you interrupt your time with God for fill in the blank? You know, how many fasts have you been on where you know you, know, you, need, to go, I'm, I'm, you, know, you need to go another day? You, know, you didn't put a, I'm going to fast for three days. Well, why, why three days? If the Lord is leading you, they're great. You know, if you're if you're in the middle of a fast and you just you 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 could be right on the edge, but your stomach is growling. You know, you're you're feeling the hunger pains. You're you're not feeling good. You're you, maybe you're getting a headache. You're going through this toxic withdrawal or whatever it is that you're going through. And it would be so much easier if I just go ahead and get a little something. But all you have to do is go one more day, a few more hours. That's what our brother did. Our brother just hung on a little while longer. When that flesh was crying out for something, he stayed quiet, he stayed still, and the Lord called him to something. And through that, man, the Gentiles, all of a sudden now, the Lord opened it for the Gentiles, which he said he was going to do, and he opened it right up. And they were baptized with the Holy Ghost as soon as they heard the word from the Lord preached. And Peter said to everybody else, how can we not baptize them in water? God gave him the promise of the Holy Ghost, the same thing he baptized them with, he baptized us with, he baptized them with, how can we deny baptizing them in water? You see how that happened? Why? Because one man got still and quiet. A veteran of the faith. He was a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the first one to preach a Holy Spirit message. He still had gone all that way. He received revelation from God. He received the Word from God before he was even baptized in the Holy Ghost. He had that closeness, but he had to get away. He had to be still. He had to lock it out, block his own body to hear God speak. What are we doing? Saints, what are we doing? What are we... Are we... Are we come on. I'm going to name one more and then we're going to quit. And this one's for a whole other reason. This one may be for old-timey ministers like me. Maybe I don't know. There's the, there's the Apostle Paul. Now granted, when he heard from Jesus, he wasn't saved. But one thing that we know about Paul was he was a zealot for God. He, he, was, he knew the Scriptures and he was serious about God as he knew it from the law. He was serious about God. He was a zealot for God. He want, God was the most important thing to him. God was so important to him. And so when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus told him what he was going to have to suffer for him. But he also said, now you go into this town. Blinded him. Had to make, had to shut his natural eyes so he can open his spiritual eyes. And in doing so, the man became humbled. All of a sudden, this person who prided themselves, who he says, and he lets us know, you know, I was all of this and a bag of chips before I came to Jesus. But I didn't know nothing. And all that stuff that was so valuable back then is garbage to me now. Knowing Jesus is everything. But that same man who prided himself at growing up at the feet of Gamaliel, being educated and coming from a great family, having status and having stature, and and one who was given great position as it related to the Pharisees and to the Sanhedrin, one who had that kind of power, was humbled. 
And he had to let one of those who wasn't even one of the original eleven lay hands on him to receive his sight. So I want to speak to some of us big-timey ministers who know more about fancy catchphrases and how to stir up a crowd, how to fill seats, or how we think that we're impressing God or you know, by impressing some other people. Or maybe we think that you know, it's not enough to go ahead and listen to a, a, a person who is serving God with all of their might. And maybe that ministry is small, but man, God is using them mightily. Maybe it's more important for us to go ahead and hear from that celebrity preacher than it is to hear from that small town, tiny little church preacher. Maybe it means more to us when it comes from certain people and not others. Well, so-and-so said this. Did you get the tape? Well, for this donation, you can get this whole series on such and such. I'm not saying don't do it. But my brothers and sisters, you have this Word. You have the Holy Spirit. And so when someone, someone who is young in the Lord says something to you, or they may be asking you a question, how about this? You can't answer it without uh, humming a humming a humming a humming a humming a. I've had to say to people sometimes, you know what? I can't remember that specific text. I haven't been there in a long time. Give me a chance. Instead of humming a humming a humming, make it up, make it up, make it up. Man, you all, you should see the way some of you are looking at me right now. It's a good thing I'm not looking for the approval of men. I'd be giving it up right now, baby. Do you, but do you hear my heart? Do you hear my heart? Man, we need to be humble. We need to be willing to hear God, no matter how He chooses to speak to us. As long as it's according to this Word, and as long as the Spirit inside of us is bearing witness with our spirit, it may be something that we don't want to hear in this moment. It may be something we're not even interested in. It may be something that we're, we're bored with. But, it's important, nevertheless. Amen? One time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, but it's so important. Because God will speak to us a thing in time, and if we act on it, my brothers and sisters, that can make the whole difference. Not just in your life, but in all of those lives that God has chosen for you to affect. Your children. Your children's children. Anybody and everybody. Hallelujah. It's so important. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.